When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, it's Dan. Welcome to our Wednesday Orange and Brown Talk podcast. A few things. First, I want you to know that both segments of this podcast, the first segment with me, Mary Kay, and Scott, uh, and then the second segment with Terry, were both recorded prior to the Ravens playing the Cowboys on Tuesday night. So we talk a little bit about the Ravens, but just a reminder, we actually didn't know the outcome of that game before we recorded anything in this podcast. But it's a really fun podcast. Give the whole thing a listen. Uh, you know, Mary Kay, Scott, and I, uh, asked a bunch of questions and had a lot of fun kind of talking through some some what ifs. And then uh, Terry and I talked all about the Browns Titans and uh, all sorts of stuff like that. So anyway, make sure you check out Football Insider. You can get access to those exclusive stories on cleveland.com slash Browns. You get a daily newsletter with exclusive content written by a member of our Browns team. And you can sign up for our text service uh, where we'll text you throughout the day. I texted tiebreakers this morning and uh, things fans could watch for, little nuggets, uh, news, anything like that. And, you know, you can text us. We'll text you back. Uh, a lot of people really love it. And there's opportunities to be a part of the podcast as well through picks, through our post-game Zoom, Q&As, uh, all kinds of cool stuff for our Football Insider subscribers. So go to cleveland.com slash Browns, click the blue banner at the top of the page to check all that out. And now here is our Wednesday podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to our Wednesday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. I am Dan Lobby. Coming up in the second half of the podcast, you'll hear from Terry Pluto as you do every single week. But first, we're going to talk about the Browns with Mary Kay Cabot. Mary Kay, how are you? I'm doing great today, Dan. How you doing? Doing well. And also Scott Patsko, how are you? I'm doing good. Okay, so um, I figured we'd throw some questions at each other today. Uh, usually I'm the one that surprises you with the most random questions I can think of. So we're going to flip the tables a little bit. Everybody came here with a question or two uh, and we'll get into those. Scott, why don't you start us out today with your, uh, your first question? Oh, good. I get to start. So I don't have to worry about someone else taking my <laughs> question. This, this works out good. Um, all right. So Sunday night uh, after the game, we did our post game pod. And during that, I believe it was Doug Lee Maurice kind of raised the question of, which teams should be slotted ahead, ahead of the Browns? You know, and I think the consensus was the Chiefs and the Steelers. Uh, Dan made a case for the Bills. I, I believe Terry Pluto was, was on his bandwagon with the Bills. Yep. And then there was the Browns in there in that three and four spot. Well, since then, we've seen the Steelers lose to Washington. We've seen the Chiefs struggle to put away the Broncos. So my question is, all right, do we, do we really think that the Browns should be third? Do we think the Browns should be higher than third? Does this past weekend's games, the fact that the Browns put away the Titans change anything? I know they can't not, re, they're not realistically going to be better than the number five seed, but do you think that they should be as feared as, as any other team in the AFC? It's a good one. It's a good one to start off with. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I'm not going to put him out of Kansas City. I know Kansas City struggled against Denver. Um, I, I think Vic Fangio, Vic Fangio is a really good defensive coordinator. Um, 
I don't know how he is as a head coach, but I think he's a very good defensive coordinator. And I think division games are weird anyway. Uh, so I, I definitely wouldn't put him ahead of Kansas City. I would still lean, and I know Browns fans would kill me for this, I would still lean in Pittsburgh's direction uh, just because of that defense. Uh, but their offense is certainly getting exposed recently. Um, and then, look, I mean, I still like Buffalo. I, I still want to give some respect to Buffalo. Also at 9-3, and three, a Hail Mary away from being 10-2. and two. Uh, you know, I, I still have to give some respect to that team and what they've done. So I guess if we're, if we're power ranking them, I, I would start after those three is, is the direction I would go. You know what? It, it really is a great question, Scott. And I have been thinking about this uh, since last night, since the Browns players, starting with Miles Garrett, uh, started putting out their little memes and emojis about uh, winning the AFC North. And of course, uh, the, the chances of that are minuscule right now. I think it's somewhere around 5% or ESPN's FPI football power index has the Steelers still winning the division at uh, whatever, it's like 97.6% or something like that. So the chances are like almost none for them to win this division. Uh, but still, as I watched some of that game, as I watched what happened in Kansas City and around the rest of the league and watched the Browns uh, and the way that they beat the Titans, I am starting to think that they can win any football game. They can beat anybody because people are vulnerable, teams are vulnerable now, and, uh, and the Browns do some things really, really incredibly well, including running the football and their play action game and then Miles and some of the defensive linemen wrecking the game on the other side of the ball. When you can do those kinds of things, I think you can win any game. And we're starting to see chinks in the armor of some of these other teams. I mean, you know, Pittsburgh and Baltimore are, I don't want to say falling apart, but kind of coming back to the pack. Of course, when uh, at 38 and six and 38 and seven over the Browns, it just seemed like they were so far ahead of the Browns. And at that time, I think we underestimated the fact that uh, that Kevin Stefanski just hadn't really been able to, to bring his whole offense together yet. You know, it was going to take time uh, to get that brand new scheme up and running. Now, the way they have it going with that two-headed monster and running that play action off of it, I, I think they can beat anybody. I really do. And I honestly don't even know if I feel like they need to be third anymore. Uh, I, I do think that they probably would struggle a little bit against Patrick, Um but that team is not, if in the words of Kaderil Hodge, not a super team that can't be beat. Um, Buffalo would be a tough out. Buffalo would be a tough out. I mean, you know, look, for them to beat the teams that they they've beaten some some tough teams. They've beaten some good defenses. San Francisco has a tough defense. Uh, so I think that would be a tough out. I might put them ahead. So yeah, I think I am going to go third right now. But it would be Kansas City, Buffalo. And then the Browns. We yeah, don't really kind of, think this team can beat Kansas City, do we? I don't know. I got. I got to push. That's one. That's one that I have to push back. I know. I know. In the playoffs, it's one game. It's anything can happen. But I mean, just really objectively looking at it, this is Kansas City Chiefs are a super team. I mean, right. I, yes, they have vulnerabilities like everybody. But I mean, that is Patrick Mahomes might throw for. 450 yards against this defense well that that is true and you know but stranger things have happened i'm not right. i mean i mean if, if we're putting it in the 
you know, one game, any given Sunday category. Yes, yeah. of course. You know, Nick Chubb could go off, have a huge day. Yeah, but I just mean, generally speaking, when you stack the two teams up, I don't think anybody would actually ever pick the Browns to win that game. No, I mean, that's why I put Kansas City first and I'm putting right. Buffalo second and I'm putting the Browns third. And I'm not saying that, you know, they're not a super team because, I mean, they they are a super team. We all know that. But I, I think that there is a world in which if the Browns got some takeaways and things fell their way in the game like they did in Tennessee, you know, sometimes things just have to fall your way to begin with. I, I, I think if Sheldon Richardson, and I have a little, I'm going to be writing something about this. If Sheldon Richardson doesn't get the fourth and one stop and doesn't force that fumble, it's, it's a different ball game. It's a completely different ball game. The game went there, started to just fall their way. And it was almost over after that. Um, so it's not that they are a better football team than Kansas City or that Patrick Mahomes isn't a better quarterback than Baker Mayfield because he is, obviously. Um, but sometimes funky things can happen in a football game. I'm not going to say that they are going to beat them, but I'm just, I'm just saying that the – the Cleveland Browns right now that the way that they are built and what they're doing, they at least have a chance, at least have a chance to beat anybody. I just, I just want to make sure that we're not out there as like the podcast proclaiming the Browns are going to beat the chiefs or, or are suddenly better than the chiefs. Just, just making sure I wanted to push back on that one just a little Scott, I interrupted you. Oh, no, I was going to say, I, I, that's Mary Kay. I think is thinking the same way I am. I definitely put the chiefs at the top. I think, um, the Bills, I think, are, are would concern me more than the Steelers right now. Uh, I know the Steelers lost their first game this week, but just watching the way those teams play and, and knowing the circumstances around schedule strength and that kind of stuff, uh, I would probably put the Browns at least like in a tie for third with with the Steelers. Um, but look, these other teams are looking at the Browns' office and wondering how do we stop that, you know? That's a big deal. We look at the Chiefs offense and wonder how would the Browns stop that? Um, stopping the Browns offense, that's a tough task. And the Browns are nine and three because they've outscored so many teams. You know, that's not like their defense is shutting people down. It's their offense has outscored people. So as long as you have an offense that is that prolific, um, you have a chance against these teams. And no one's saying that the Browns would go into a playoff game with the Chiefs and, and it would be like a, you know, 21 to 24 final. It's probably, it would, probably wouldn't be that. It would, it would be high 30s uh, for, for the Browns to win, and they would need turnovers. It would have to be a similar thing to, to Tennessee. And I'm glad you brought up the, uh, the two plays there, the two short yardage plays and the fumble uh, against the Titans because, you know, that five-man front got a lot of props, you know, the way the Browns used an extra defensive lineman in that game. But it really boiled down to those two plays mm -hmm. because – after the next series, the Browns really didn't use that five-man front anymore. And, this, and the Titans finally kind of figured it out. And so that only works so long. But all it takes is a couple plays like that, and boom, you're out by two scores. And it's a totally different game. The, the Titans have to change what they're doing. And, you know, it's the little things. It's just, you know, you don't have to be dominant for an entire game. You just got to make those plays. And mm -hmm. the Browns are peaking and doing those things at the right time. Yeah, and the other thing is Kansas City is uh, tied for 23rd against the run. So in, in football games, a lot of times it's the matchups. It is how your team matches up against the other team in certain areas. So if you get, you know, if you get rolling in the running game and you start to, you know, kind of possess the ball a little bit 
and play keep away to a degree, once again, anything can happen. We're not, we're not declaring right now uh, that the Browns are, are better than the Chiefs because we know the truth. Uh, but, you know, they're just in a position right now where things could get a little interesting. They could. I'm still not even touching that one. <laughs> not even touching the Chiefs here. Um, I, you know, I thought the five-man front thing, just uh, one thing that stood out to me is how Tennessee kind of adjusted there and went hurry up to keep those big guys on the field. And they, they scored on that four-play drive. And then the Browns make that adjustment um, to go back to a more normal look. And, and they get that big stop after the Peoples-Jones touchdown. Um, good little cat and mouse game there. All right, Mary Kay, our next question. My next question is, and this kind of builds off of, of Scott's question a little bit, and that is, what will the Browns' final record be? Ooh. I'm the first <laughs> on the last one. I'm going to make Scott go first on this one. <laughs> <laughs> I, I picked nine and seven, so I see a four-game losing streak coming. No, uh, man. <laughs> You might have been a year early on your on your prediction, Scott. Yeah, really. <laughs> what, I said thirteen and three, right? I mean, that's still in play. Um, man, look, I I wish I could already see what the Ravens are going to do uh, prior to recording this. I think I want to I want to say eleven and five. I mean, that's not necessarily that they're going to lose to the Steelers and the Ravens. I could lose to the Giants. Don't underestimate Colt McCoy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, I it's weird that we're even talking about, you know, the possibility of a 12 and 4 or, you know, that we're at that point. But I don't know. I think 11 and 5. I, I'm not saying they're going to they're going to win every game they're supposed to all these last four, but I'll go with 11 and 5. Yeah, I mean, I think that's I think that's kind of a good place to land. Um, so you're nine and three now. I mean, it was funny. Doug said something on the post game show, like, well, if you, if they beat the Ravens, now you're looking at 13 and three. And my first reaction was, oh, come on. But then maybe you are starting to look like that becomes a reality, which, which is strange to think about. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that either 11 and five or 12 and four is where I'd land. And part of it is I'd like to see the Ravens tonight. Like you said, Scott, we're recording this before that game. And I'd also like to see Monday's game, I guess. Monday's game to me is really important. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not saying it makes or breaks your season because it doesn't, but I just want to see you know, how far, I think both teams have come a long way in different directions since that September 13th game. And I want to see this team go against the Ravens and whether they beat them or not, look like they belong on the field with them. And I think they will but it's just hard for me to know exactly what's going to happen the rest of the way, I guess, until I see that. So I'll, I'll, I think I would play it safe too and probably go 11 and five, but if they beat the Ravens, now you're, now you're really looking at 12 and four or 13 and three. Yeah, it, it, it's interesting. And I have been thinking about this as well. And as we talk about this, as, as Dan says, and he's trying to rein it in so that we're not losing our, our, <laughs> our minds. Well, I, I did just, I did just say 12 and four or 13 and three. <laughs> so here's the thing and we you know we've mentioned we've mentioned this and you know we've talked about this a lot baker mayfield you know still needs to show and i think he will be better against good defenses in these last four games and in the playoffs but he he hasn't really 100 shown that yet except for really i mean the colts had a, had a good defense 
Um, but let's be honest about this. The Titans had a pretty bad pass defense and the Browns picked it apart and toyed with it and had their way with it. Okay. So that's fine. It's okay. I don't, I don't need to apologize for saying that it's the truth. Um, I do think that they, they put themselves on the map and became legitimate in that game to say, yeah, we can, we are here and we can beat a winning team. But now Baker Mayfield needs uh, to perform well against pressure and to perform well against, you know, the better defenses. And there's pretty much, you know, there's three pretty good defenses coming up. The Giants are playing some good defense now. Um, the Ravens, we'll see if they can get it together and if their guys are healthy enough and feel good. And, uh, you know, Calais Campbell, I see is, I think he's coming back. Um, you know, if they're, if they're healthy and they kind of regroup, we don't know what the Ravens are yet right now. We, we haven't seen the real Ravens in a while. If they can kind of get it back together and, and, you know, not crumble from this three game losing streak that they're on right now, which of course, one, one of those games was with Robert Griffin um, starting against the Steelers. But if they regroup and they are the Ravens, that's going to be a tough defense to beat. It just is. So there's three good defenses coming up and I'm very anxious to see how the Browns perform against uh, these good defenses. The Steelers, if they kind of get it back together, uh, you know, they have a good defense, but I will tell you, I think losing Bud Dupree is huge. Oh yeah. I mean, you take away one of your best pass rushers that had eight sacks heading into that game, probably would have come out of there with another sack or two and 45 pressures or something like that, that hurts a defense. It's like taking Miles Garrett off the field. Now, they still have T.J. Watt, but it, it, it's that big to lose a Bud Dupree. So I think that hurts them. Um, and the Ravens, since the last time the Browns saw the Ravens, they've lost Ronnie Stanley. And I think that's big, too, when you're talking about matchups. You know, Miles Garrett can take advantage of some of those kinds of matchups. Uh, so, look, it can go either way these last three games they can win one two three or four and that is just the reality of the situation right that's well, the reality and, and it's also worth noting too the Steelers already lost Devin Bush it looks like they're going to be without Robert Spillane for a little while too who was his replacement so they're just uh I mean they're they're losing guys all over the place on that defense while the Browns are starting to get some guys back with Miles yeah. coming back Denzel's going to be back here at some point we don't know about Ronnie Harrison yet uh, but they're they're starting to get guys back on, on yes. that side. Yeah, I mean it's it seems like the Browns are you know on an upward trajectory, whereas at least right now the Ravens and the Steelers have been on the way down. So again, the Browns can win one, two, three, or four of these games. We don't we don't know yet, and it's hard to tell because either any one of these games can go either way. I'm going to go. I think I'm going to. I think I'm going to go 12 and four. I think I'm going to go 12 and four. I know that sounds, I think that sounds nuts. It does sound. Here's, here's the thing though. Uh, and you know, they could go 12 and four and it really doesn't change anything from today. They're pretty much locked into that number four seed or number five seed. Right. Uh, unless they catch the Steelers. And we've already said how you know small of a chance that is. So really whatever your record is, as long as it's better than the dolphins and the Colts, Right. Uh, you know, then then you're good. Um, you just want right. to keep in that spot unless you really want to maybe play the Bills for some reason. You really you're looking at do we do you want to play the Titans or the Bills in the first round? You know, that's that's probably what it's going to come down to. Not that they're going to do 
try to win a game or not win a game based on that. But those are your choices probably. Yeah. Unless right. the, the Colts somehow overtake, uh, overtake the Titans. So they could. So, so that leads in, actually, I'm going to jump in and ask my question because that's going down the road that, that I was going to go down. Well, my original question was going to be, do we think the Browns go in the AFC North? But that was kind of touched on that one already. We can still ask that one after this. But what team of the possibilities that the Browns could play in, in that wild card round, assuming the Browns are a wild card team, what team would worry you the most? So our options, like Scott mentioned, could be Tennessee again. Uh, it could be Indianapolis if they end up winning that division. Uh, Buffalo could be in play if they fall back and they're the fourth division winner. Um, but, but that's really it. Now, if the Browns were to somehow win the AFC North, then Miami comes into play. Las Vegas might come into play. Maybe Baltimore comes into play. There's a lot of moving parts there. But uh, of the teams the Browns could face in the first round, who, who do you think causes them the most trouble? Mm. You go, Scott. Good questions. That's a very good question. You know, having to go back to Tennessee and play the Titans again, that would be that would be a challenge because you kind of shot your shot, you know, <laughs> with them and you came out uh, and showed them that, that different look. Um, now you're assuming you probably got Denzel Ward back, maybe Ronnie Harrison. Um, but that's tough to go there twice and win. Um, you got to believe that they're going to have a better plan to get Derrick Henry rolling or just a better plan overall to attack the Browns defense, knowing what worked for them in this game. That's tough. Um, so I'm not sure that I would want to play if I'm the Browns, if I would want to play Tennessee again. Um, that's yeah. I don't know. I'd, I'd rather, I think you maybe go against someone like Buffalo who hasn't seen you. Maybe uh, I know that they're kind of on a roll right now, but yeah, I think was it, was, was the question, who do you want to avoid or who do you want to see? <laughs> well, I mean, it can be both. Who, who would you yeah. rather I guess I would rather not. I would rather not have to see the Titans. I would rather play somebody different because beating the same team twice in the same field, uh, that that's tough. You know, I, I agree with you on that, and I've been thinking about that too because you know, obviously that that could easily happen that they would have to do that, uh, and and it's interesting because we obviously saw what they did when they came back and kind of uh, got their act together in the second half, and these teams are are very evenly matched, I think. They're, they mirror each other in a lot of ways mm -hmm. and they're evenly matched. But the, the, the place where they're not evenly matched is on the defensive line. I think the Browns obviously uh, have a much better defensive line. So all things being equal, I think the Browns still have the edge because of Sheldon Richardson, Miles Garrett and Olivier Vernon. And I'll take those guys over the Titans uh, defensive line. So I, I actually still think that the Browns could, could beat them again um, because I just think that Titans defense is so bad. I just think it's so bad. And if you can't muster any pressure on Baker Mayfield and if you're keeping him clean that whole darn game, he's just gonna pick you apart and pick you apart off that play action just the same way that he did. And you don't have anything else to counter it with than you, that you did not have on Sunday. There, nobody's coming in to save you. I, I, you know, it's not like somebody's coming back. And for the Browns, they do have probably Denzel Ward coming back to maybe 
go against A.J. Brown. And they do have Ronnie Harrison coming back to help stop Derrick Henry. So I think they are getting reinforcements, and I think their defense will elevate above the Titans. I still think that, that they're a much better team than the Titans in, in that scenario, and that they could still beat the Titans. So I, I would have to say that the team that I would probably uh, think more about in terms of just being a little leery of would be the Bills. I would think that, you know, Josh Allen, like you said, he's on a little bit of a roll and he, they, he seems to be able to beat a good defense because of the different things that he can do. He can, he can get away from, he was getting away from pressure yesterday. So he can, he's mobile enough. He can run, you know, he can pull it down and run. He can uh, get rid of the ball pretty quickly. I don't know. I, I think that's, that's a team that, uh, that I think the Browns might actually have a little bit more trouble with than against the Titans. I like all those answers. I don't know if I have a good original answer. I, I was thinking the Titans um, were kind of what Scott said. And I can envision Mike Vrabel, you know, in the week leading up to that game, just running that film of the second half and saying, this is what we can do against this team. Forget what happened in that first half. They punched us in the mouth. This is what we could do against that team. But I do feel like that would be a shootout. Um, I, I don't think that, you know, because I just don't think that Titans defense can do anything to get better right now. I, I think that would be a shootout. Buffalo, their pass rush has kind of been getting better and better as the years gone along. And I just looked it up. PFF grades them. Uh, I got to pull it up here as the third best pass rush in the NFL right now behind Pittsburgh and Philadelphia. You know, that's kind of the one thing that I, you know, worries you a little bit with Baker Mayfield. Now Buffalo's defense doesn't do this is not the Buffalo defense of even last year. They've certainly had their issues defensively, but I think their pass rush is getting better. Um, so they worry me. There might be a small case for Indianapolis if, depending which Phillip Rivers you get. Mm -hmm. You get the good Phillip Rivers, who isn't turning the ball over. You get the bad Phillip Rivers, who, like what the Browns played, earlier this season and some of that comes from the fact that miles garrett is chasing around a guy that can't even move but i do think that indie defense is good it's just a really inconsistent team this might just go back to the discussion we had earlier i mean when you st start talking about these teams you can make the case for the browns in any of these games mm -hmm. so you know neither of those teams in the afc south really like put a scare into me so i, I would probably have to to say buffalo too um just having not seen how the Browns match up against them um, and, and knowing what they can do offensively and in the past game, but also knowing that their pass rush is, is starting to get better. Mm -hmm. I think we saw a little bit of that last night. So I, I think I was horrible weather, right? And maybe there's horrible weather in Buffalo right. and that plays to your strength. We've seen right. that happen with the Browns in the middle of the season. Mm -hmm. The weather yeah. helps them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we just don't know what the conditions are going to be um, on, on any given week. Okay, my other question was, and we don't have to spend a ton of time on this, but, you know, have you guys talked yourselves into the Browns winning the AFC North yet? <laughs> I mean, the Steelers have to play the Bills. They have to play the Colts. Mm -hmm. The Browns will beat the Ravens and take care of business in New Jersey back-to-back -back weeks. You're going into week 17 with the division on the line. <laughs> Well, what, what were the Cavs' chances of, of coming back in the, uh, in the finals that year? Well, it, 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 it had never, never been happened. done, right? 
Never been done. Okay. So it's that kind of thing, right? I mean, it's, it's the chances are almost slim to none. I mean, the Browns kind of either have to go three and one, which of course I have them doing. So, <laughs> so they've got to go either three and one or four. No, for the most part. Um, and the Steelers have to either lose three or four of their games to, to make this happen. Uh, now we know that, that the Steelers are going to, we, we think the Steelers are going to beat the Bengals. Oh, here's the other thing in, in all of this, as we talk about all this, everyone has to hope that COVID isn't the silent opponent for anybody, right? <laughs> like this could all blow up in everybody's face. If you're starting quarterback or you're starting pass rusher or you're starting running back, you know, ends up not being able to play some of these games, but uh, assuming that, that that's not going to happen. Um, I, I just don't, based on the, the percentages right now, I'm going to say that it's not going to happen, that the Browns are not going to win the AFC North. Well, unless they, unless they ran the table on the Steelers, unless they actually had a better record, but it came down to tiebreak, it's just very hard because they would be split on head to head, but the Steelers would have to lose to the Bengals too. Yeah. If they yeah. didn't, then they win on division record and it's over right there. Then you go to common games and you're like, okay, well, the Browns lost to the Raiders. The, you know, the Steelers. Well, I, I actually, lost. I actually figured that one out for our football insider subscribers, but it's kind of irrelevant because there's still common games left, but they're, they're, I think they're actually both nine and one in common games. Mm. Yeah. You but, have to go down a little ways, but the key, yeah, I but think there's is still, there's still play. more common games left. So I, I don't know. I, I mean, I've written stories about how the 0-10 Browns could still make the playoffs and <laughs> you can get really into the weeds on some of this stuff. But uh, I think the odds of the Browns uh, going into week 17 with the same record as the Steelers is pretty small. I, I don't I don't see that happening. So their best case would be somehow tying them. And again, that's that's a long shot. So. Okay. Open. That doesn't mean you can go through it. <laughs> now, if I uh, if I ask you guys this on Tuesday, and uh, the Browns have beaten the Ravens, does that change your answer at all? We'll also know the result of the of the Steelers Bills game, I guess, at that point. So, if I'm talking to you on Tuesday, and the Bills beat the Steelers on Sunday night, and the Browns beat the Ravens Monday night, are you starting to let yourself think about it? Yeah, maybe starting. <laughs> Scott, Scott is grudgingly. He's he's trying. But still, go ahead. It's gonna be it's <laughs> gonna be so tough for it. It's so unlikely at this point. But I mean, look at what the 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 Steelers have had to play twelve three games in twelve days. Okay, they kind of got rattled by this whole COVID thing, you know, and kind of almost kind of screwed too by the whole thing right you know i mean they had to suffer the consequences of other teams uh having having COVID, especially the ravens but um i'm still gonna say no because it just seems like such a long shot that those things are going to happen that they're going to lose that many of their remaining games but having said that they're playing three good teams they're playing three good football teams so there, I mean, there is with the way that they are going down the tubes right now, seemingly, and Joe Hayden has a concussion. Who knows if he's even going to be able to play? They could go one and three, and the Browns could go. So it would take it one and three. The Browns would have to go four and zero, oh, right? 
Yes. Mm -hmm. Then or go to Brown, the Browns would have to win out, which would include a win over the Steelers. Because you don't yeah. want to leave it up to tiebreakers for the reasons that Scott said. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Okay. Hey, listen, I'm just, I'm just throwing it out there. Do so you think so? You're thinking so, Dan? I, you know, I see the scenario. I, I'm not, I, I don't necessarily expect it to happen, but I, I see the scenario because I still, you know, I don't know what's going to happen. Again, this is, this kind of goes down with everything else. I just want to see Monday night's game. You know, as boring as that is, I just, I want to see Monday night's game. That's, that's what I want to see. All right. Well, then I have, I got a question for you guys. As long as, okay. All right. Bonus question. As long as this is a bonus question, as long as we've arrived here and this goes back to something earlier in the pod. What is more likely to happen? The Cleveland Browns beating the Kansas City Chiefs or winning the AFC North? <laughs> oh, wow. Winning the AFC, well. Because <laughs> <laughs> now, now you've got me thinking that any given Sunday thing. I think winning the AFC North. I, I, gotta, <laughs> I gotta stay on my corner. You think they, have, they, they would be more likely, even though the chances right now are 5%, you think they'd have less than a 5% chance of beating the Chiefs right now? Come on, Dan. I, I wouldn't be real confident <laughs> going into that game. <laughs> it, looking at who these teams have left, it is very realistic that the that the Steelers could go one and three. I mean, Buffalo, yeah. that's a game they could lose. The Colts, as we've said, you don't yeah. know what you're getting with the Colts. They could beat the Steelers. And, of course, then you got the Browns at the end of the season, and the Browns are peaking at the right time. I, they're not going to lose to the Bengals. And then, you know, on the other side, if the Browns get by the Ravens, well then, yeah, I mean, they're, they're supposed to be the Giants and the Jets. So yes, you could see 12 and four, then it's tiebreakers, but I still think, I still think they're, they're, they're probably without knowing the tiebreakers and how things break down. I know Dan, you kind of ran through some of the percentages there. I think, I think there's probably still a better, a higher percentage <laughs> chance that they win the division than, than being the Chiefs. Because if you, they're probably going to see the Chiefs in the second round, if everything stays the same. I don't know. Going to Kansas it just, City. It just depends yeah. when you get into reseeding and all that. So you're so you're with Dan. You would take. You think it'd be easier, a, a higher chance of winning the AFC North than beating the Chiefs. Because I think there's more believable outcomes in that scenario than saying the Browns are going to beat the Chiefs in playoffs. It's believable that the Colts could beat the Steelers, and that the Bills can beat the Steelers, and that the Browns can beat the Giants. It's believable the Browns can beat the Ravens at home on a Monday night. Right. I just, I, I just don't think it's as believable as the Browns beating the Chiefs in <laughs> AFC Championship right. or, or the second round of the playoffs. Right. I'll give you guys that. All right. Well, for anybody out there that says we are too negative, here's what we've talked ourselves into. <laughs> that earlier, even though, even though what we just talked about earlier, the any given Sunday scenario with the Chiefs, we've talked about the possibility of winning the AFC North, and none of us absolutely ruled it out. And uh, we've got this team beating pretty much anybody they want in the playoffs. <laughs> so, so there we go. Play this back when somebody says that we are being too negative. All right. Uh, Terry Pluto's coming up after the break. Scott and Mary Kay, I'll talk to you guys later. And now we welcome on Terry Pluto. Terry, how are you? I'm well, Dan. Okay. As I should note, uh, again, we are recording this on Wednesday. Uh, yeah, it's Tuesday. I'm sorry. Tuesday. Today morning. Is Tuesday. <laughs> I've got my days all mixed up, Terry. We're recording this on Tuesday afternoon. Uh, so we have not seen what happens in, in the Ravens game uh, against the Cowboys. So just frame all of our discussions as we move forward with that. Uh, Terry, let, let's get into what we saw on Sunday, though, uh, against Tennessee. The Browns jumping out to that big lead. 
And again, I've, I've said this before, one of the things that just stood out to me was that seemed like, you know, that perfect marriage finally between the play caller, the quarterback, mm-hmm. talent around the quarterback, everything just clicked in that first 30 minutes. Like, like we really haven't seen before And that. Look, that's not saying much because they scored 38 points. That's certainly not going out on a limb. The other thing I have to admit, when I was a lot of trepidation about the game, I was fearful that uh, Tennessee would do something like that to the Browns in the first half, not necessarily yeah. 38 points, but you know, three touchdowns or something. Cause they had, as we saw in the second half, that had kind of an explosive offense. And I wondered, you know, I had a couple NFL people tell me Tennessee's defense is not that good. The Browns could really put up some points. They just didn't think the Browns would be able to stop uh, the Titans. And I think what do you, the, uh, the two defensive plays back to back, the fourth and one and then forcing the fumble, those are probably about as big as anything in that game. Well, well yeah, because it allowed you to build that lead. You know, it allowed you to basically, because you said, I mean, we saw what Tennessee can do offensively. Mm-hmm. And we knew that coming into the game. So when you get off the field on fourth and one, and then you force a fumble, the first fumble from Derrick Henry all year, that that's a game changer. It's like 376 <laughs> touches, by the way, before he, because <laughs> it went back into last year and all that, 376. And, and those are hard touches. You know? yeah. I mean, and he's getting bound, yeah, he's getting pounded all the time. So give Sheldon Richardson something about the one man that finally ripped the ball out of his hands. Yeah. But you know, that's, that's what you do, right? You, you get them off the field and you take advantage of mm-hmm. it and you build that big lead. And that's something that it seems so basic, but um, we haven't always seen it. And, and it There's speaks I think, of, to this coaching staff that they looked at this Tennessee team and said, yeah. this is what we can do against them. And they went out and they did it. And there's a, you know, there are emotional elements to the game where uh, one, the Browns are scoring early and Tennessee's like, we didn't make it on fourth and one. We always make it on fourth and one. And then it's like Derek Henry fumbled. And it's just like in life or anything else where things that you count on go wrong. I mean, it's almost like you're a little late for work to begin with. You go out and your car won't start, and your car has started every single time for five years. It's never had a problem. You know, or you go out and your tires flat go, this is not my day. You try to fight that off, but <laughs> early in that game, they had to have a feeling, this is not my day. And you just saw, and meanwhile, Baker is deciding to have a day of the day of his life in the NFL. You know what? Can I, before we get to Baker, can I say another key moment from the defense sure. here? I gotta, I'm going to look it up. Um, so Tennessee goes fast, right? They, you know, the Browns are playing those five defensive linemen. So Tennessee comes out and uh, they go fast and it certainly affects the Browns because they have the, these five big bodies out there, four plays, 74 yards, they score. Then the Browns hit that 75 yard touchdown to Donovan Peoples Jones. And then I think this is a really big spot. The defense forces a three and out after that. That's I forgot about that part. They actually made him punt. Yeah. And, you know, that was kind of the moment when it could have turned into just a complete and total shootout. And mm-hmm. the defense kind of responded after getting torched the, the previous drive and forced three and out. And the Browns end up building their lead. I want, before we get to Baker, too, I've, I got a couple emails. And um, there's a, hey, Terry, be up on line Wednesday. And. Well, gee, I just wish the defense hadn't fallen apart in the second half or whatever. And here's my thought. This, the, our, the Browns defense is not very good. Right. On top of it, 
start with that and facing an elite offense. Secondly, of the guys that started in the in the secondary, were any of them supposed to start in the summer? I don't think so. I mean, in, I unless, maybe unless, you thought, unless you thought Terrence Mitchell was going to beat out Greedy Williams, that's no. I mean, I mean, the plan was you know the Williams and Denzel, the corners with uh, Grant Delpit, and then whoever. I mean, I guess Carl Joseph. Carl Joseph. So Joseph would have been the only one. And then he had lost his job to Ronnie Harrison. So the whole secondary is backups, basically. Mitchell would come in for nickel situations or something like that. But that, in terms of the plan, you know. And so the fact that uh, the Browns have given a whole bunch of points to an elite team, you know, also this is not Ohio State bringing in, you know, Texas Arlington and Lafayette, Louisiana to play, you know, this is, this is the NFL and most games are close in the NFL. I mean, even the jets who uh, can't win a game, they've lost a bunch of close games. We remember the Browns over the years, we watch them lose a bunch of close games. So teams tend to get back into it. I guess that's why I'm just not all bent out of joint about the Browns defense in the second half. And they yeah. weren't playing defense. They're just playing they're not very good. And after a while, they get worn down. Your star defensive end is playing off of COVID and he's, you know, he's running out of gas. He made some plays, but he was tired. And, um, well, the, the point is it is a pass fail league and they passed. Yeah. I, I mean, look, if, if these two teams meet in the playoffs again, I'm sure Mike Rabel is going to put on that second half tape and yeah. say, Hey, look what we did in the second half of this game. But the reality is, you know, NFL players always say it, you know, th- those guys get paid too. And I think that's just what happened in the second half. You usually and they also, and to your point about getting paid too, we forget that, you know, even if you put in some second liners, they always talk about, you want to put a good thing on tape. So you keep working. We forget over half of the NFL is on contracts that aren't guaranteed for next year. Yeah, that's true. And some of them that's real easy to cut this year. So yep. granted, maybe some of the big time guys aren't, but you start getting into those, say guys on the roster from, you know, 30 to 53, you know, those guys, um, they're some of them playing for their jobs every single week and they know it because most of them have been cut once or on somebody's practice squad. So you do get, you're going to get a full effort out of those guys, even if it doesn't always look, you know, orchestrated well uh, on tape. That's why I just, in the end that, you know, the scores are close and how, do you, how did you come out and one? You did exactly what you needed to do. I forgot about the course that punt after Tennessee scored too. That was big. I, I will ask this about the second half though. Do you think, do you think Kevin Stefanski took his foot off the gas a little too much? Could he, have, could he have been more aggressive? I mean, it's almost hard to criticize it because this team has been so good just running the clock out mm-hmm. in the second half, just riding those two backs. Um, I'd have I mean, to go back and really hard look at, to criticize. Yeah, I'd have to go back and look at the play calling. Um, it's one of those things, I guess one of the, I was thinking, and you know, we live in the internet age where they want stuff up right away. So I'm typing a lot <laughs> in that fourth quarter, yeah, as I'm sure you were. And I'm just thinking, Tennessee's not going to win this game. By the way, remember we had a thing about quarterback sneaks? <laughs> last week we, we were both pro quarterback sneak right i no, know i was, was you were not right no i'm todd haley and i are the only ones in the <laughs> western university i would just say you saw a wonderful quarterback sneak i hope you're happy <laughs> i know it almost almost cost him but did you see my client chase down yes i yeah. don't remember who it was chased him yeah down. yeah whoever it was kareem hunt did that 
think it was and uh, Mike Klein, Rashard Higgins, by the way, had a big game. And, you know, which leads us to the discussion, and I've maintained this going way back to last year, that the Browns and Odell are a bad fit. Just leave it at that. <laughs> yeah, that's a whole – that's opening up a whole can Because it is, but you turn around, you watch him, he sees who's ever open, he throws it to him. You know, Jarvis becomes your main guy. You know, the other guys kind of fall in line. And uh, there you go. Because remember, there, there's just not that – even how many passes did he throw? 29 passes or something in this game. Yeah, I've got, I've got it here. It wasn't like it was – I mean, he had a ton of yards through the air, but it wasn't like it was Aaron Mayfield. Right, and I, he didn't throw a lot in the second half. So his final numbers were 25 of 33. Um, but I think he only threw eight times in the second half. Eight in the half, second half. So 33. And you would think with those other numbers, what, what do you have, Four five touchdowns? Four touchdowns. Uh, four touchdowns. He threw 25 times in the first half. Yeah. You would think he would have thrown over 40, and you would think with those numbers. But I, I guess what I'm saying is this is – if you just don't throw the ball that much, there's not a lot of balls to catch. <laughs> I mean, this is kind of – how about this is deep analytics. And, but that's where it goes. Like right now I'm hearing, and I'm sure you are too, well, the tight ends aren't getting the ball that much and everything. Well, the ball's going to the running backs. And see, you look at a lot more tape than I do. Who's emerging like when, when Baker's in trouble and just wants to dump the ball off? Where's that going? A good question. Um, I'd have to kind of look a little closer at that. I mean, it's probably still Higgins. You know, Landry's, Landry's always been that guy. Yeah. It's also your client. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, him gets and Hunt really developed guys. a strong Gets a lot of those throws. So maybe some of those would go to the tight ends, but he has found the comfort level with Kareem and with, as you said, Higgins and, and that. So there's probably going to be some tight end stuff coming, but uh, I just think when you're running the ball that often and you're averaging really less than 30 passes a game as the Browns are, um, it's not going to be equal opportunity on who's getting the ball and receiving end. Yeah. I do still think there's going to come a point, though, where this team's going to look out there and they're going to wish they had number 13. There's going well, to be some, be. De- there's going to be some defense they face where that having that guy would be. Right. But what does he do in other games where, 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 where we'd be complaining about because Jarvis got eight catches and Odell only got three? I'm, I was sick of that. That's, that's fair. <laughs> we just really, really, it's like, you know what I like all that? Like who got the ball? It has stopped. Well, okay. So when we talk about Baker in this game, you know, I, I hate to do this because it, you know, I think people hear this and maybe they think I'm trying to diminish what he did, but I really do believe this was a game where it looked like Oklahoma again. It did. It looked like, and, and Baker made all the throws he was supposed to make and he was aggressive. He, he took care of the football still with the exception of that fumble. Um, but this looked like, I mean, he was protected. I, I have to look it up. I think he was only pressured on four dropbacks. And mm-hmm. I think three of those came in the second half guys were open and to his credit, he was delivering the football. The play action was working. This was really you know, Baker's going to get the headlines. I really think this was as much about Kevin Stefanski in this scheme as, as anything. A guy using some of my scribbles, especially some stuff from Chubb about how he said that they really worked on the play action. And he kept saying, 
They kept biting me and the defense every time. Every time I was faking it to Chalbert Creek, the defense was swarming around, and he said it left the, the middle of the field wide open. So um, they kept doing it. Tennessee didn't really adjust. And then make, Baker got hot with a bunch of wide open receivers. And as you said, they, can't, they couldn't get any, uh, any pressure really on him at all. But the good thing is we didn't see balls sailing over people's heads and all that stuff. So, um, and what were they, right? 28th, Tennessee 28th and defending the pass, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, four I mean, drop okay, back. He shredded another bad passing defense, but fine. I'm, I'm all for it. And, you know, so great. What we need to do is, is just, again, ride this. I've been writing, I've set a record for like capital letters and exclamation points in my story game columns afterwards because it's been so much fun to write, you know, and just ride this nine and three. And they're exciting to watch. And I have a feel we're going to have to accept the fact that just like the defense is going to help keep both teams in the game for the Browns. You know, they're going to give up. They're going to turn balls (laughs) over, get the Browns, and they're going to get beat and help the other team. Um, And that's that that's proud part of the deal, because, you know, they've had a bunch of guys hurt and they they did not make defense a priority in the offseason because they wanted to have a high powered offense. They wanted to start with that first. Yeah, so Baker, four dropbacks that he was pressured. This is according to Pro Football uh, yeah. Focus. And that, that's the lowest in the league among the qualified guys. So, you know, we, we've seen over and over again when he's, when he's clean and he can really see what's going on and he can just distribute the football. We, we've seen what can happen. And then he starts to get that confidence and that Baker swagger going and everything mm-hmm. just sort of goes from there. I mean, he made a great throw. And then, you know, Higgins made that great catch on the sidelines. They're right near the end zone. Um, they use more pump fakes in this game than I remember too. It'd be interesting to see. I'm sure there's a stat to keep the break, uh, a breakdown of that, but they used a lot of those. And going back to that play action thing real quick too, Baker seems really, it's not just having those backs. Baker seems really good at selling that stuff. And that kind of goes back to his rookie year. It seems mm-hmm. like he's really good at selling those handoffs. Not just, it's not just, the act of having play action, it's having a quarterback who hides the football well and, and really does sell those runs. Yeah, it looked to me like he was schooled on this, either in high school or college early, because it's pretty natural for him to do that. Because um, some of these guys, you know, they barely fake. I mean, they just, you could tell that the quarterback doesn't know how to do it, doesn't care about doing it. Where I would think it would be just the opposite. You want to make that ball disappear as quickly as possible because it's really going to help you as a passer. Uh, so, you know, that's been exciting to me. I think it was nice to see the Browns win a game a different way than just pounding the ball, running it because with Baltimore coming up and, you know, Pittsburgh later on, um, they're going to want all that passing stuff on, on tape also to keep those coordinators from the other teams, uh, keep them busy. So with, with Pittsburgh losing on Monday, how about that? That op- it opened the to use Miles Garrett's words, uh, it opened the door just just a little, just a little. Pittsburgh has Buffalo, Cincinnati, and Indianapolis before they come to Cleveland. Um, the Browns. That, that's course, a pretty decent schedule for them. That is a that is a decent schedule, and then the Browns yeah, that, have of course Baltimore, just... the two New York teams, and then I mean there is a scenario where Pittsburgh could come to town and still be playing for the AFC North. Sure. 
Uh, the Browns the have Browns, to take care of business. And this, yeah, know, I mean, the key oh. thing will be if the Browns can knock off Baltimore, which before would be like, you kind of say that just because you have to say that. Now it's like, well, maybe. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, looming over all this season, why it's been, um, you know, hard to predict for many ways is, you know, week to week, you sit there, these GMs, they wait till Friday till the, till the COVID tests come in. And who's going to get wiped out on top of your regular injuries? So you're, you're coping with a lot of quick changes. And on top of the fact, you're not on the field half the time anymore because somebody got shut down for a while and you're Zooming it and all these other things. So that's why it's, it's hard to guess. The good thing is the Browns so far stayed out of the major outbreak. Um, and and I, think they, I think they deserve credit for that too. I, I think some of it's luck, but look, when, you, when Miles Garrett says he's sick and you keep him home for two days and then he tests positive two days later. Yeah, just think of it had he come in and been in at least a defensive line room. Yeah, exactly. And that because that's what happens. They, oftentimes you get it in the position room. Um, so they've been good about that. And the players obviously have disciplined themselves uh, because, you know, if some couple of guys just said, I've just had enough of this, we're, we're going out, we're going to go to the club. Uh, all kinds of stuff could happen there. So that, that's been, that's been good. They, but, and then, you know, what does help that when you're winning, it's easy <laughs> to keep, no, that message of, Guys, we can't mess this up now. Right. We got to stay disciplined. We got to you know, go home, watch TV, whatever, you know, text people. I don't care, but don't go out. We, do we want to mess the season up that way? Can I, can I throw something out there that, that might be kind of silly, but I think it does speak to something about the Browns and their leadership. When you watch these games on, on TV and they show Kevin Stefanski, that mask is always right. Yeah. Perfect. Right. Like, I mean, that seems like such a silly thing, but I mean, if you really want to extract that a little. No, no, no. I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with that, Dan. And here's why. Cause if you're a leader, even if you say you don't buy totally into the mask being the ultimate protection. Right. But you are saying that it never hurts anything. And I want my guys to wear a mask. You should look like, Mike Tomlin looked like you know he like he was in the Arctic, but again <laughs> he was doing the same Tomlin thing, eyes, right? like But again, out. he was sending the same message. I think you know, but we have to do this. If your leaders aren't doing this in any situation, then I mean it's just like if you're running the school and you're telling all the kids to dress up and wear a tie, like when I went to Benedictine, but the assistant principal shows up in like a t-shirt, well, you know, or. Or doesn't wear a tie. Simply has a collar, but doesn't put the tie on. Um, well, what is? He doesn't do it. I think it's a. I think it's a really good point, Dan. I mean, you're wrong on the quarterback sneaks, but you're right on the mask. There we go. Hey, one for two. I'll take it. Considering how I've been doing picking games lately, I'll. I'll oh, take I'm terrible too. <laughs> I said it again. We're we're recording this before Baltimore's even played this week, but I, I already told someone this week that. Uh, I'm, I'm just tired of being wrong picking against the Browns. So I'm not even going to use any analysis this week. I'm just, if I'm going to be wrong, I'm going to be wrong picking the Browns. Well, ride the streak. Like I did that. And then they went to Pittsburgh and lost because I got, I picked them to lose at Dallas and they won, you know, that was before Dak got hurt and all that stuff. Yeah. And then, uh, 
I picked them to lose to Cincinnati. <laughs> I mean, I haven't. Oh, boy. I was surprised my record is like seven and five or something. It seems like I just remember all the ones that, that I've been terrible. Somebody wrote me back and I said, if you're taking my picks as like for anything on a game. Now, on other stuff I try, but on the game, it's like you're kind of delusional, you know, it's right. just not good. Not good. Yeah, I, I think that I think that might have been the, the Twitter thread that I was on to somebody asking how, how my day was going. And yeah. I, I got to tell you, I don't sit in the press box worrying. Yeah, my, about, I, yeah, and I said, my I'm, nails over whether my pick is going to be right. Or and not. I want to say this, too. And I, I do think you and I are kind of kindred spirits in a lot of this. We don't sit there looking for bad, bad stuff to happen. Because when the team is winning, it's so much fun to write. Frankly, from our business where they count every single internet hit, you get a lot more internet hits. People are happy. It's just fun. And, you know, I am going to, as a writer, my my game columns are not deep analytical things. I'm riding the emotional wave of positivity and fun right now. And then given all that's going on this year, I mean, this is a perfect time to have some great diversion going. So... That to me is exciting. And, and then I've liked this team early on before we knew how good they were going to be just because all the uh, noise and sort of garbage that went on before was gone. You know, I, I thought it was, a, they were trying to develop, you know, the old tough, smart, accountable thing. They were saying that they were actually trying to do that, not just say it. When they have players that do that. Is BJ Goodson any good? I'm starting to think he is. I mean, He's doing his job. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, you know, I don't know that he's some sort of long-term answer, but he's doing his job. Let me bring him back. He's on a, I think he's on a one year. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you're not going to be able to fill every hole this off season. No. And they remember, they don't like linebackers anyway. Analytics people don't like linebackers. They like yeah. defensive backs. They like linemen. They don't like linebackers. They, they think they can just fill in with younger guys or veterans. But you know, this kind of speaks to what you're like, BJ Goodson is interesting because they're winning. If they were, you know, three and nine, and you talked about is BJ Goodson any good? People just, I don't care. Of course not. Who cares about BJ Goodson? Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, winning frames everything differently. Yes. Well, winning makes role players more important. Yeah. Because you're not sitting there expecting BJ Goodson, you know, to be Jack Lambert or something. All right, he's fitting what they're doing. and so it's just like with this receivers thing going on here. When you have these powerhouse running backs and you have one Pro Bowl receiver with Jarvis, these other guys look better just because all that play action staff, you know, Donovan Peoples-Jones or Kadero Hodge, you know, Higgins, you put them in and, and they're open. And besides, you do need these guys, you know, to run the patterns the way they're supposed to because they were raving afterwards. Then Peoples-Jones just run that that double hook fake thing perfectly, I guess. Yeah. Well, and the other thing, winning makes people money. Yes. Like, think about Rashard Higgins, right? As good as he's been, if he's doing it in obscurity, okay, the I mean, Browns going to do whatever they want. But now he's going to start making plays on Monday night football. Yeah. And you he's going to make some plays on January when everybody's guaranteed. watching. David, uh, uh, Dan, to hit my point, his contract wasn't even guaranteed, not one dime for this year. It was a minimum NFL contract, not guaranteed. So that's what I mentioned before about these guys for Tennessee or whoever. You want to make plays on tape because there's a bunch of guys like Richard Higgins running around who you think 
and I think have contracts that are guaranteed or whatever. They're not. And are there, and they're going to be free agents next year. So uh, that's why it's, it's fun. But when you're winning, uh, the other thing that happens when you're winning is this time of year, uh, if you're beat up some, you're going to try to drag yourself on the field. If you're with yeah. the Jets, uh-oh, my back is killing me. I'm just not going to, you know, not, that's a guy with a guaranteed contract. I'm just not going to play. So, so you brought up the Jets. So before we go, there's, yes. you know, we were talking before we hit record here about. I'm actually Greg, Greg Williams. Williams <laughs> Greg Williams fired as the Jets defensive coordinator. Um, you know, I, I don't know what's going on. Well, I do know what's going on there. I think they obviously do not want to uh, mess Win up games. this opportunity to get. <laughs> uh, I don't think Adam Gase is long for that job. Um, I'm sure Joe Douglas is, is already has eyes on who he might want as his coach. Um, I, I guess with Greg, this was a guy that went five and three as Brown's coach until Kevin Stefanski showed up. He was about the most successful thing they'd had on that sideline. Um, uh, he's kind of, is this a fall from grace for Greg? How would you even describe this? Well, the problem was that just awful decided to blitz the whole house on that last play of the game, which, you know, Granted, maybe you don't want to go prevent defense with everybody, but you would like somebody in pass coverage would help. <laughs> None, nonetheless, I thought early in the year, if the Jets were serious about shaping up, they would have fired Gase and put uh, Greg in charge. Because one thing we saw here, Greg would have got things organized. That's one thing he can do. Short term, he can do that. You know, you got a lot of ego and other issues with Greg. Uh, but I will go back to this and I'm not going to make fun of him or anything else. He came in a rough spot. And frankly, now we saw what, yeah, Freddie Kitchens in his own little world could be effective. But if you asked any big picture stuff, forget it. So Greg was doing all the big picture stuff on that. You can see that now. And that team went five and three. And as you said, other than Stefanski, and remember how they had all this garbage going on then. And it kind of stopped when, when he took over. That's sort of how I sometimes measure coaches. There's all the, as they call it, the noise and the distractions. There's always a little bit in the NFL season, but is it is it a constant, you know, drumbeat, you know, like some punk rock band that just won't shut up and your head just feels like it's, it's going to fall off? Or is it just something that happens once in a while? So, Greg, I'm all for you. I don't particularly want you back, but I still respect that five and three. And I Greg will not has, let anybody trash your interim performance here in Cleveland. Greg has been, uh, you know, obviously I, I said fall from grace earlier. We're talking about the guy that had the, the bounty gate scandal on his resume. Yes, exactly. So, right. But uh, yeah. With I mean, 11 well, job offers. Remember that press conference? Oh my gosh. Well, <laughs> I, you know what though? In that interim, it's everything you said. What Greg kind of showed you is when you have at least somebody in charge and yes, he was never going to be a long-term option, but when you have somebody in charge who can just make sure everything works on time who's willing to let everybody do their jobs. That's, and, that's and a frankly, huge step they forward. Were, and, and now we're, we're seeing that. And they were afraid to step out of line some with him too. They were, you know, right. he brought that. Um, and he also toned his act down a little bit as a, as a head coach, but I mean, maybe well, that's more was, than enough on Greg Williams, but Hey, when he has a winning record, he's a Browns coach. He deserves something, but hopefully we'll be talking about Kevin Stefanski for the next five to 10 years. All right, I'm going to throw this out at you. Seems like. How about Kevin Stefanski in the Trussell mode? 
What's that? Yeah, like Kevin Stefanski being kind of like Jim Trussell's personality. In there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I could see it. I never really made that. Yeah, I could see that. He reminds me of Jim some. Yeah. Now, his, his, his strategy, I mean, Jim was more of a defensive guy and all that. You know, the punt's the greatest play in football. I'm not talking about that. But I'm talking about how he holds things together. You just felt – sometimes he, was, he said he was, like, too icy. You know, it wasn't emotional enough. But I never looked at Ohio State thought, man, were they disorganized? Or, boy, are they kind of losing it um, when Jim was there. But, you know, Kevin's not afraid to play a little field position ball, though. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he the likes- analytics the analytics side, he's going to go for it more on fourth down and be aggressive yeah. in, in certain situations. But, he, I mean, it's not like he's out there running. It's not like he's Cliff Kingsbury. Oh, no. Running this fast-paced spread offense. He's he's not afraid I mean, to play a little field. Trestle would probably run the ball just with this group. He'd be running it just like uh, <laughs> just like Kevin, Kevin is. And also, I do like the fact that NFL running backs are coming back in vogue again in the NFL. I just thought they were dismissed way too early and ridiculously by uh, some people in the NFL that felt you everything had to be out of the shotgun and you had to like throw it 40 times. Well, I, you know, I think what we lost sight of a little bit is, you know, there was, I think they, that big offensive explosion was in like 2017 or 2018. Mm-hmm. Remember that bit, that Rams chiefs game that was like in the fifties. Yeah, and I think we all sort of lost sight of the fact that NFL defensive coordinators are really good. Mm-hmm. They don't sleep and they spend a hundred hours every week trying to figure out how to stop things. And so naturally, I think there was a little correction, and they started to pick up on some things and figure out how to slow some things down. Right, but like the wildcat. Nobody even back, yeah. so defenses get smaller. So now offenses get bigger again, and yeah. it's always sort of cyclical. But in general, kind of, there's some basic things about football. You know, if you have a really good offensive line, <laughs> you don't need a lot of analytics to tell you this, but they actually do. I mean, that's what the Browns have. And I'm still on dumb fun. I've now seen two versions of the zone blocking scheme in Cleveland. And we've seen it work both times. Kyle Shanahan ran it. And now, I don't understand why more teams don't do it. Yeah, I don't know. Because it works. It works. Everywhere. And the offensive linemen just say how much easier it is to do. Um, I I don't understand it. So, but fortunately, we got the master of the zone blocking offensive line in Bill Callahan. And uh, isn't it interesting too, or you know, you read that where I guess um who's the running backs coach? Uh, the guy from no. Citadel. Stump Mitchell. Yeah, Stump Mitchell, excuse me. But we're, I guess he's keeping track of who goes in when on the running backs. Yeah, he kind of helps out with he all that. He makes the call, I guess. Yeah, that's what I mean, that's what it sounded like last week. Yeah. Um, and so that's that's significant, too. And Because he, he always talks about the running game. It's like Stump Mitchell working with Callahan. And, and I know that um, Stefanski is really smart and wanting to be collaborative and let all his key assistants get credit. You know, I went, I mean, how many points did the Browns give out? 35 points or whatever it was. Yeah. And boy, Joe Woods had like the greatest defensive scheme ever by the time Stefanski got done talking about it. (laughs) 
But I know what he's doing. He knows Woods is out there with this beat up secondary and, and everything else. And, and he wants to keep him pumped up too. And again, that's all good leadership. See that you looked at the mass thing, which, which does count. I look at who, who is he giving the credit to? I, I agree. I think that's, that's important. Not just the players, but and the, when you watch those little social media videos the Browns put up of his speeches after the game, he's yeah. there. He's got a little card and he's pointing like this guy, right. that guy, like he's he's going through every yeah every little you know. thing. Uh, and then um, then you say O'Shea, uh, the I like it used to be called a receivers coach. Now he's got some long title, passing game coordinator. Oh yeah, everybody, everybody's a coordinator now. Yeah, right. <laughs> but anyway, O'Shea, he goes, he gets credit for. Donovan Peoples-Jones, the first after saying how smart Peoples-Jones was to learn that move on that play for the touchdown quickly, then O'Shea gets credit for making sure he was taught it. And those are things that go a long way when uh, you're an assistant like Stump Mitchell or whatever, and you work these long hours, and it seems like nobody notices you. One, one last thing. We've, we've kind of been going forever here. One last thing. Um, the, the other thing that really impressed me was he was asked about Peoples-Jones on Monday, I think. Mm-hmm. I don't think it was after the game. And, of course, Peoples-Jones had that drop. Yeah. That was an easy touchdown. And Kevin didn't flinch in going back to him and keeping him out there. Now, some of that is circumstance. You don't have a lot of other guys available right now. But he doesn't. You know, Harrison Bryant had the fumble against Jacksonville, but Bryant is still out there running routes. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's not it's not like you make one mistake and you're done. And I, I think, think that matters too because guys, guys make mistakes. It's football. Yeah. And he knows with young players, you could bury them early and crush them. And if you think they're putting in the work, because they always talk about both of those guys, how they really prepare and everything. They say how uh, – Bryant actually has become a pretty good blocker, which was not supposed to be something he could do. Um, and people's Jones, he'll do, spe- he'll do special teams. He'll do anything they want. Um, okay. So like you said, there's drops, they happen, but there's so much good on the other side of that line where you kind of make the list of weaknesses versus strengths that we're going to give him another shot. It's almost just like somebody in your family, you know, generally it's a, a, you know, one of your kids, it's a good kid. The kid tries hard or whatever. But boy, it's just trash that chemistry test. You know? <laughs> I mean, do I want to ground them for the rest of the year, or are we going to like get some tutoring and look at chemistry? You know. But if it's the fourteenth time they trashed the test and didn't in the homework, <laughs> then you know you are not going to see in the light of day until two thousand and thirty-one. <laughs> All right, uh, I think we'll wrap it there with uh, with that one. Uh, course make sure you're subscribed to the orange and brown talk podcast wherever you get your pods and check out football insider at cleveland.com slash brown so you can read all of those stories that have that little exclusive tag on them some of them are terry's some of them are mine you got to make sure you can read those so check out football insider that blue banner at the top of the page there on cleveland.com slash browns terry thanks for the time you're welcome